Decoding Today, Trials and Mountain Bike Legend, Danny McCaskill. Welcome to my podcast, Decoding Athletes with Red Bull. I'm Mathias Dandois, a professional BMX rider, eight times world champion. I'm living in between Paris and New York City and travel over 200 days a year. I started to ride BMX bike 20 years ago and been unable to turn left since then. Now, I started this podcast series because I want to find out what does it really take to become an extraordinary athlete and help other young talents to find their path. You don't want to miss anything. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and every other podcast app. You can also watch the video version of the podcast and the vlog on my YouTube channel. Find the link to all of that in the show notes. For today's episode, I met with Scottish trial bike legend Danny McCaskill in London. Danny is to me the best human on a bicycle today. I got to discover him years ago when he first dropped that video on YouTube that changed bike riding forever. Danny comes from a trial bike background which is passing through an obstacle course without setting foot to ground. But he took it to the next level and created a whole new discipline by bringing trial to the street. In this interview we did in the Red Bull Music Studio in London, we talked about so many interesting things. How to get millions of views on YouTube, we talked about his fears and getting back on the bike after multiple injuries. Thanks for tuning in. Have fun listening and welcome to Decoding Athletes. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Danny McCaskill. Man, we are in London today in the, the Red Bull studio. Some of the, the best uh, music artists in the world have recorded albums here. It's pretty, pretty cool. We are surrounded by uh, some music recording stuff that I don't know what we it's can, for. We but can make some chins later. Yeah, exactly. We it. make a mixtape. Yeah, let's do it. And, uh, and facing me, a really handsome Scottish oh. man, Danny oh, yes. McCaskill. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, stoked to be here, actually. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I'm going to try to pick up your little brain a little bit, you know. Oh, yeah. Should be all right. Should be all right. You have to be careful what no. you, yeah. <laughs> you get. But... It's going to be pretty crazy. No, I'm just going to start straight, honestly. I just uh, want to know how you you felt the morning you woke up after you, you released that video in 2009 and uh, watching all the, the views on, on YouTube. I don't know, it was fine. I think I got woken up by BBC News. You know, like I think I, I did have a mobile phone at the time. It was like early. This was 2009. 2009. So it was a while ago. It's April 2009, yeah. exactly. I remember kind of getting woken up, you know, into this uh, woman from the BBC asking if they could go, come and do an interview. And I remember, I remember thinking, we just launched the video the night before, and I remember thinking that that's quite unusual. I didn't have a laptop at the time, so I didn't know how the video was even doing or or, or that kind of thing. So it was um, kind of weird. It kind of, from there, it's, you know, in the next few days, I almost felt like I was in the Truman Show or something, you know, where it started to kind of get like hundreds of thousands, millions of views and all that kind of stuff. And then I bet it was the way it was going on the news, which was even weirder because it would kind of make mainstream news not only in scotland but then it started to be uk wide and then it started hitting the news like all around europe and then had friends calling up from like new zealand or america <laughs> and all this and this is for like a trial this is like a a web edit i know, know it was so crazy it was very funny and uh, to put the listeners back in the the era it's uh 2009 
Danny McCaskill is kind of like nobody. You are not even a professional writer back no, then. No, no. Can you tell us a little bit what is a Danny McCaskill pre-inspired bicycle? I worked for about eight years as a bike mechanic in various bike shops all over Scotland. I've just ride my bike all the time. I mean, kind of like anybody does. But I mean, when I worked in Edinburgh, I would go out my lunch break. You know, my hour lunch break, I would ride the whole time and then eat while I was working. And then uh, after work, I, I would go ride my bike uh, for at least three hours a day. And even on my days off, I'd come hang out in the bike shop and then I'd just go riding all day. So it was just riding, <laughs> riding, riding at that point. That just so passionate about like just, bicycle. Yeah, I just enjoyed it. I never did it for any reason like it was just it's just what makes me tick kind of thing so do you sometimes miss uh, your whole life like bike as a mechanic and like that n nobody knows and that's just ride bike for fun and eats while he walks yeah there's definitely i mean the, my life nowadays is pretty sweet i reckon i could get the balance a little bit better with my riding it's it's kind of crazy when you become a professional rider for some people it depends what their job was before some people have like a serious job takes a lot of time you know you don't have much time to do your hobbies or whatever but back then I was riding as much as my body could handle probably sometimes too much I had quite a lot of tendonitis and stuff back then uh, from riding so much but uh yeah it was fun it was nice and simple you know yeah, like yeah. It's just living the flat with loads of friends as man I remember those days like for for me when I was like 16 riding sometimes 10 hours a day mm -hmm. I was just going to the spot in the morning with a uh, with cereal box and some milk and just like Oh, yeah, right, yeah riding well, all day. <laughs> I didn't quite have that dedication, you know. Riding all day, uh, every day. <laughs> and uh, no, that's pretty crazy. So you're originally from uh, the island of Skye? Yes, that's right. And uh, so it's a really tiny uh, island, right? Yeah, there's about 12,000 people that live in the island, uh, one high school. It's a cool place. You know, it's like somewhere I think most people should visit at some point in their lives. It's kind of got beautiful scenery. Well, world famous kind of scenery. It's now like second most popular place in Scotland, I think, after Edinburgh. So it's, but it's just still a kind of wee place yeah. with lots of locals and stuff. So, so like yeah. to put it in perspective, you are that local guy from Sky that moved to Edinburgh, and as a bike mechanic, in April two thousand and nine, you put that video online, and basically yeah. your whole life changed at that point. So and we are just to to tell the listener so. There was not really such things as, as web edits. In I mean, YouTube web edits were not really a thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I when I watched it in April 2009, it was a big shock for for BMX community because yeah. we didn't know who you were. We'd never seen like big bikes before. You know, like mountain bikes were yes, not as yeah, big yeah. as it is today. And I knew something changed. When I watched that video, okay. it was like, I don't know, it was crazy. I was like, whoa, okay, that's a true revolution. Were you aware of that when you posted the video? Well, definitely not, no. Um, I mean, it's cool to hear that you were watching it back then. I was a kind of, I feel like I'm a product. Of, I suppose everybody is, you're like a product of your surroundings, you know, growing yeah. up in Sky, especially in Dunvegan, there wasn't much to ride, you know, like I kind of started reading magazines and all that kind of stuff, but you... Uh, you see your heroes doing really cool stuff and all those cool set setups, but because I only had those little bits of riding to do, um, you had to kind of get a little bit more creative with what you had. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I don't know. By the time I got to Edinburgh, I kind of worked on a few tricks, you know, kind of trying to combine some BMX stuff. Like I've always been influenced by BMX for sure. 
it was mainly trials for a long time, but BMX, like I lived with a bunch of BMXers when I lived in Edinburgh. So I was always looking at the latest DVD, you know, whether it's like Odyssey stuff, old Joe Simon's stuff with uh, Mutiny as well. And um, just everything really. Yeah, because so, n not only you released a, a crazy edit, but you invented a new discipline. Well, it was kind of well, not, re not really. You no, I, mean, did. I, I don't. I don't feel like I did because I mean, my heroes were. I mean, trials by 2009 was getting a little bit more specialized. You know, the bikes had no seats, kind of getting a little bit longer, harder to ride like a normal bike. But my kind of bike sponsor that had been hooking me up for about three years uh, prior to 2009, uh, Inspired Bicycles, um, they were supplying me some frames and. You know, I'd get the frame and I'd break it after a week or something like that, or the forks, and I would snap that. And then we'd kind of develop the bike for a while. So the 24-inch kind of side of trials, or the street trials, I kind of call it these days, was kind of what I watched some of my heroes doing late 90s kind of... You know, it was like you can try to ride everything on one bike. You know, it was like you tried to do flowy kind of stuff. You also did the hoppy trials. But I kind of tried to add a few more sort of tricks. You know, yeah. like I love the idea of trying to do like go upside down in the street or try to learn how to do tail whips badly and all yeah, that kind of stuff. So. The flare on yeah, the tree yeah. was like revolutionary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did your parents think about like the, the fame the video got or your friends? You remember? I remember actually we had a premiere. I remember having a premiere for the film. We kind of just finished the writing. Friend Dave Sarby, like a real good BMX filmer and writer himself, had edited and I remember we kind of, we sat in my flat with my friends and watched the finished thing and I was quite like pleased that it was done but I remember looking at it and thinking oh yeah it's cool you know it's like kind of and we didn't uh, celebrate or anything like that but yeah I don't know my parents were kind of like oh yeah that's kind of cool as well I yeah. don't know I don't know it's they were like, not really like super behind you or whatever yeah I mean they would I mean kind of yeah I mean it was just a weird time I don't know I can't really it's hard to yeah. it was kind of almost like the video just took off doing its own thing and I was just sort of still kind of doing I know what really? I was doing so it was weird Last question about the video before before we move on because it's a pretty big turning point for you. So last subject is the is that song in the video, uh, the funeral by Band of Horses, which is one of my favorite songs ever. I wrote mm -hmm. a contest to the to this song. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I I, wow. I won the the 2012 BMX oh, yeah? Worlds to this That's song class. because and I was thinking about you the whole time <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I know there is a backstory with the with this song because mm -hmm. you never knew that the video was going to go so viral. At first, there was kind of a misunderstanding with the the band on you. If I if I'm yeah. right, I mean it was um, I mean it was early days of YouTube. I mean clearing music for you know videos of all kinds, whether it's DVDs and you know web thing, wasn't really on your mind when you're making a video. It was kind of like the wild west back then. Um, <laughs> but well, we really didn't expect the video to you sort of go out with the bike scene, you know. But it's, when it started getting millions of views, I think about a weekend, uh, we got contacted by the Banner Horses record label. I think it's Soapbox Records or something, which is like a branch of Warner Brothers. And they were like, well, you didn't get permission for this. Thought the video was going to have to come down, which would have been a shame. It would have been a shame. Yeah, it's like it started kind of snowballing, you know. But then they started seeing a, a rise in their, in their sales because of it. And they kind of gave us like a... And all right, like a you know, we didn't have to pay for it and anything like that. Which so. was really smart from them because yeah. the video got so much bigger than them. And yeah, then was, I think yeah. the, the video made them got what they are today, kind of. I think I mean for me the band horses were already quite big. You know, like I'd seen them in some skate films and like I'd been listening to music beforehand. 
it's kind of niche though yeah but no for sure now, now for they sure. are so big you know yeah yeah for sure and for sure i think it definitely helped it's kind of like a win-win situation with that stuff isn't yeah, it yeah. you know you get a really good track it fitted it all you know the writing perfectly and stuff so <laughs> you made someone famous then yeah, <laughs> you yeah, made some. Yeah. <laughs> no that's sick and and Life after that got, like, what happened in the next few years? Like, I know, like, you got signed by Red Bull after that? I mean, straight after the video came out, all these crazy requests started coming in. One of my friends kind of made a little email up for me, or like a website type thing for requests. But to be honest, yeah, I didn't want to kind of jump on a bandwagon. You know, I had all these, you know, like, all the different energy drink brands, let's say, and then you had all the different, like, clothing brands. Yeah. American talk shows it was kind of crazy but it really wasn't why we made the video so I kind of just left that all you know I didn't do any of it really uh, and I, I was already due to do shows in schools all that summer so I kind of went and did the shows in the schools and then at the end of the season I kind of sat down and kind of got on some management that was in the bike scene and then I kind of signed up with uh, you know cherry picked the best stuff out of that email box yeah and, for uh, sure. yeah Red Bull was a big one you know that was the kind of that was the first one that kind of meant I could really do it professional, professionally without just doing shows kind of thing. So, so you refused a lot of stuff during that that summer. Is yeah. the Ellen DeGeneres thing yeah, one that, of the things you refused? Yeah, that was right. I got a, a request from the Ellen DeGeneres show if I'd go over to Chicago and dress up as her and do some like kind of stunt doubling. And <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, for me, I always. I was always uh, very influenced by uh, Dave Serby, who's like super core in the BMX scene. And even like back in 2009, I tried to think about if I was working the bike shop and somebody else had the same luck with a video on YouTube and started having all these options. If I was watching somebody else, do, you know, go on to be on the Ellen DeGeneres show or other things, I kind of tried to think, would I respect it or would I think that was cool? And I tried to kind of, avoid that yeah i kind of still do that today i mean there's there's a balance to it i mean some people can be too core and you can miss out on a lot and you see in a lot of different different sports but i try to kind of tread the balance between being in the mainstream doing the interviews for the media and stuff but mm -hmm. then not doing all the kind of cheesy yeah. stuff just for the money and i think it's what it takes for a random athlete to to get to the top it's like to pick and choose the right thing and yeah. I, I think you did the right decision not to go exactly. on that show because yeah. I don't know if a lot of everybody knows who Ellen DeGeneres is mm -hmm. but to put to to explain to the listeners like the biggest TV show in America mm -hmm. so you would have been on in front of like millions of yeah. people I and maybe not in the best you know like kind of uh, yeah. situation so it was really smart for you to to I think yeah, not a, do it it's a funny one I mean it's you never know I mean it I mean, maybe in like later years, it would be easier to kind of control what you were doing. But often when you do mainstream media, the main thing for me is trying to make the writing credible. You know, you're always trying to do the best writing you can, show street trials or mountain biking or whatever off as, as well as you can. And then you can kind of do some of the, you know, jump through some of the hoops for them as well. But at that time, there's no way I would have been able to control it. You know, I didn't know how to say to somebody you know a cameraman like i'm not doing that because it's shit yeah <laughs> man thing, so. you, you told me yesterday you were a guy uh that were living in a ski resort and wearing shorts and, and t-shirt because you were liking it yeah yeah, yeah. that's uh, <laughs> and that's suddenly it. you get called by ellen the generous yeah, to yeah, go yeah. to go get her what's the what's the craziest inquiries you ever got in your life 
and that you were shooting, to, obviously. Yeah, I remember at that time in 2009, I was asked to be part of a Korean circus for a while. Of a what? Mean, a Korean, a Korean circus. circus. <laughs> that could have been a different <laughs> career path. Um, to be honest, it's kind of hard to... It all seems like one big blur. So the Korean circus is a pretty big one. So instead of like the Korean circus and being Ellen the journalist, you yeah. chose the the creative video path. Yeah. The contest has never been like an interesting thing no, for you. No, I mean there's con there's competition in the um in the trials world. It's kind of normally you have like a taped out section over like whether it's uh, rocks or obstacles of any kind. And the idea is that you go through a gate at the start and you have to get up and over things without putting your feet down and you get it the other side and then you get a mark out of five if you make it out the other side without putting your feet down it's a zero and then if you put two feet down it's a five and like I've never been a competition guy for me I'm actually really uh you probably see with my table tennis skills or my ping, ping pong whatever you call it I'm I've always been like a really mellow competitor person. yeah you know like I don't know why it is I just kind of I was always just I've I'm really into doing stuff like my own little challenges but when it comes to trying to beat my friends I was never like uh putting in the energy if if my friend was faster I'd be like oh well that's fine She's just faster not than me. just not a competitor yeah so you know I did do a few trials competitions we had some local ones on Sky and in Scotland but I was always just really bad at it you know I never planned it out and stuff so um and with street trials there's not really ever been any competition format for it Something I would maybe like to change in the next few years, maybe. But um, for now, it kind of suits me that it's just uh, more video-based. So, yeah, no competitions and no, like, Korean circus, but 450 million views on YouTube mm -hmm. so far of incredible video project for Red Bull and for uh, all of uh, your different sponsors. What's your favorite project so far? Or, like, the, the favorite trick you did in a project? Oh, it's hard to say. To be honest, they're all, uh, I feel with almost all the, the videos I've done since Inspired, is, I've tried to kind of put the same energy that we put into it, you know, the first one. Um, I learned so many lessons with Inspired. I, get, I guess getting to front flip off uh, the wall on Edinburgh Castle was quite a cool one. I've never done a front flip like that. You know, it's like a tire tap off the back wheel to front flip into a bank. And when I, when I lived, uh, lived in Edinburgh, every day I would look up at the castle and You know, it's like any rider, you're always kind of riding everything. And, you know, even in this surrounding here, like I'm kind of looking at different things that that you imagine riding or whatever. But I'd always look at Edinburgh Castle and think that'd be a really cool place to get to ride. But of course, you'd never get the permission. So when I got a chance to go up there and to to try to do a front flip off the wall, and I actually managed to land it, which was quite cool. Um, that was quite a highlight. It's uh, hard. There's been so many. I mean, there literally has one. been. There's been so, so many different tricks that have worked i know imagine you know, imagine it was sick i think it's the most viewed one it yeah. has like 80, yeah. 89 million yeah. views it's few, it's yeah. crazy on uh on we day out we uh at the end we see uh, uh someone on the bench that's uh that's your uh dad yes yeah, yeah uh, sure. has he be uh, like important in your career or what, what, how does he see um, like your career i'd say Well, both my parents are, they've always been really chilled with what I'm doing. I mean, I had a really cool garden when I was growing up. I used to have all these kind of fishing nets that were hanging in the tree. We'd pull them tight between the trees and you could jump like 20 feet doing double front flips and back flips on your feet onto them. And um, we'd have big bonfires just playing. It was pretty loose, you know. 
Um, and often I would come back into the house, you know, with a cut in my head or whatever after falling off. And my parents never really gave me any sympathy. It was always kind of like, well, that was a bit stupid. Give me a packet of buttons or some chocolate or something like that. And then tell me to clear off kind of thing. So they were always like, I mean, they were obviously loving, but they were quite, um, kind of hands off in some ways, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was the same with my bike. I used to just go out and I'd be building jumps and trying to wheelie up and down the road in front of my house and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't like they were like supporting my riding or taking me anywhere to go riding. It was just kind of, they just allowed me to kind of the freedom I needed to, to learn, I suppose. And you think it's uh, one of the reasons you're so gnarly today? It's like, no, um, I, Definitely not gnarly, but it's you are. I can um, you can tell that, but I can tell. You. Well, like, I, yeah, I saw you. No, do, I'm scared. As I, I saw you do some stuff today, like that you can see on the vlog. That it, that that is so. No, incredible. but that's like, e you know, that's why I would consider fairly easy, right? If you're running along the rail, that's kind of easy. It's when you get the guys, like when I see in street BMX, uh, the guys that are like, you know, going in the sort of dead man kind of lines all the time get like nathan williams or something like that i know that's gnarly but Whereas i'm kind of like a bit more calculated take a, about a million run-ups and stuff but um i feel you just like smart with uh with your writing on mm -hmm. what you choose to do yeah i know you told me that you put a lot of effort in a location scout mm -hmm. and like i invited you to to come to paris uh earlier today and you said dude i will come visit and say yeah we should film something and you're like ah, i mean i don't really have a project there so you just like really choose your location and project can you tell me a little bit what's the process of uh, choosing a project or for a video so inspired bicycles end up being like a massive success or whatever like not that we were trying but it was just you know we were lucky right place right time doing the right writing right music edited really well you know and then suddenly when i was with red bull i was you know trying to make the next video and if i went back to then try to make another street video that was going to one up inspired which i'd lived in the city for four years i'd really pushed my riding to a limit where most of the tricks were taking hundreds of goes or they were very specific you know you tried to find another tree that's got a transition like that or the spiky fence or all, all those kind of things so i kind of realized that trying to one up that video was going to be impossible so i i kind of thought it'd be much easier to go and do something like basically go and try to find concrete and the Scottish, you know, countryside uh, with good views in the background. I can use some of the similar riding that skills that I've got, but try to just make it more scenic, you know, and it's, you know, give it a, a very different feeling to Inspired. And we did that and um, I spent a lot of time scouting, you know, spent about six months probably scouting because I broke my collarbone three times in a row after signing for Red Bull. <laughs> um, just stupid stuff like riding pump tracks and trying to ride downhill with world champions and stuff but um yeah we kind of made that video and again with dave sarby we were really lucky again that that was a success you know it kind of it kind of kicked off the style of working relationship i have with red bull where they kind of allowed me to come up with a concept you know whether it's um trying to find the you know like a really cool location or um it might be something the more studio based Like and all the, yeah, and all that for kind the, of stuff. For the the listeners, the the video Danny uh, was talking about is a way way back home. Way back home, yeah, that's uh, the first one, yeah. That you can uh, you can watch on YouTube. And you spent uh, like how many kilometers did you drive for that? Yeah, we did. Um, I think it was seven, seventeen, or eighteen thousand miles 
in the camper van. It's only <laughs> three hundred. It's three hundred twenty miles from Edinburgh to Sky. We end up we end up doing about seventeen thousand miles uh, driving around trying to chase the sun around the country. Crazy, crazy. crazy. It was really good fun. That yes, I mean, like I was to answer your question about the sort of concept stuff. The concept is actually almost more important than the writing because I've got the writing skills that I've been working on for twenty years or something like that. Um, if you're kind of trying to one up a video that you did last time, and it's the same style. It just becomes really hard to. I mean, certainly in the scene, they will understand it. You know, if you end up doing like say opposite tricks and um, but that's your niche, yeah. Or like if you end up adding an extra one eighty onto stuff or things like that. But if you're trying to get these videos to maybe jump out with the, if you, yeah, jump out the bike scene. Not that it's the end, the be all end all at all, but you can kind of do both. You can do something that really works. Everybody enjoys in the bike world. But then if somebody, I try to think of somebody who has never seen any bike videos before in their life come across one of the videos, they can kind of watch it and understand that they like the scenery. They might like, you know, they understand what a front flip is or, I try not to do too much really technical stuff, kind of almost on purpose. And yeah, just trying to find a, a location is the easiest one to kind of make it interesting. You know, it's, whether it's like an abandoned city or you build like a big set that's got like, um, looks like kids' bedroom floor with tanks Imagine and cars it. and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So, and that's what yeah. I mean. That's, that's how, that's why I said you are, you are smart with it. It's like you think outside the box instead mm -hmm. of one upping. And we were talking about it earlier that a lot of uh, professional skateboarder, uh, street skateboarder mm -hmm. and a lot of professional street riders, they would film a video part for two years. Mm -hmm. But it's always like gnarly street. Oh, it's, ins and it's insane. It's insane. insane. Like, let's say Nathan William, yes. for example, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he puts so much work in a, in a video part. At the end of the day, like only a handful of people are going to understand. I mean, yeah. Nathan is incredible. Mm -hmm. But just uh, as to like look in a bigger perspective, you know, people are going to watch Nathan and be like, Oh my God, this is like gnarly. But people are going to watch a, a Danny McAskill video and then be like, oh wow, this is, yeah. you know, they, and they understand, they appreciate it more. I mean, it's so, kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a funny one because you don't want to make it pure. It almost sounds like it's like music or something like that where you kind of get like the real core music and then you get pop. But I think there's a real balance to be done, you know, like, especially when it comes to street. If you can find a location if you, you could do all the exact same tricks but if you found say like an abandoned factory that had all these rails rather than just being the same like another 15 set in the street then you could kind of make a little story around it that just sort of draws you in a little bit more but same time it's like there's i've got I mean, i've got insane amounts of respect I and mean, i've watched so much bmx and and skateboarding and uh Energy and effort. Yeah, oh, it is insane. It's insane. It's insane. It's so inspiring. But it's I sometimes insane. watch it and I'm just like, wow. If you had those skills, I would just I would love to just find like a slightly just a slightly more interesting location yeah. sometimes. So. so you have like a good mix of storytelling and yeah. uh, and skills and that yeah. what make a great video and that's what it takes mm -hmm. to be like a successful uh, athlete. The only one other thing that I I talked about yesterday, I don't know if I, this might be a cheesy one, but um is like say if, if you want to make a video with your, with your friends basically the way i come up with the new writing videos or whatever is like trying to almost having like some parameter parameters to work to you know so maybe it's like a you know your local quarry if you know what i mean and then if i were to make a bike video in a local quarry i would kind of like 
go there and scout. It might have some, like, say, machinery or some, hopefully an old quarry, not a working one, whatever. Nah, actually, no, this is not working. I kind of keep, I keep thinking about it as a thing with a riding video. Like, a, it's like, you like know, trying to, it's like trying to come up with something that's not just the same as what the other person's done. It's like, nah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just like to, to like frame, to frame your project in a, or like to have a. Yeah, it's kind of the way I love to, you know, when I'm, when I'm working on new projects, the way I like to really do it is to get like a little book that you can draw on. And then I quite often like, um, I mean, Weedy Out, for example, was meant to be the slapstick jaunt around the countryside. So what I do is I just sort of thought about all the, you know, if you go out for a mountain bike ride, all the things I would come across on that ride. And then I tried to turn things that are a problem for most people into a trick. That's a really easy way to kind of, roll, you know, it's like a relatable thing, not just for the biking world, but it'll work out with that. But I think that can be the same in street as well. It's an easy thing. It's an easy way to work, you know, to make sort of more viral clips is to kind of think about what everyday people have trouble with and then try to turn that into a trick. That's incredible. No, that's so good. That's like... It's just like a really easy way to do it. I mean, it's so, I mean, I, sometimes I'm writing it down. You just write it down, you draw little stick men drawings of what, you, what tricks would work and then go out and scout and find it. Anyway. You see, it's like with like street riders or... We see the the street in such a different way than people. Oh, yeah. Like, I always wonder what people think about us when we are looking at like a handrail or a set of stairs. You know, trying to like think about a trick, and you see a bunch of like twenty five years old people in the street, like looking at a wall, and you're like, Do you, do you see when you're? Yeah, but see when you're and even here, do you ride? Have you ridden like in the interview? Have you ridden the table here at all? Do you ever think like that? You know, like my brain, like. Like I've ridden this entire room. Like I've looked at those uh, DJ booth thing, you know, DJ booth, and I've looked at that angle, and I've always been thinking about the riding that goes on in that. Or like I can't help but, you know, like I've looked at the cables as bumps, or like <laughs> oh G turn that. God. It's it's really weird. Do you not do that? I I've don't. actually went. I've actually loved to ask other riders how they look at the because I look at everything, everything that you when you're walking around it's everything for me is like an edge because trials is all about edges it's like you've got to have like an obstacle that you can kind of gap to this and that you know even like the slant of the microphone or the stand here it sounds almost like cheesy or something it's like not that. cheesy it's absolutely it's really mind, weird it's mind-blowing no but I'm it's just hearing. like but this you're is like, so you'd, sick. you'd like what you'd like I've, you know you imagine like 180 on that that's kind of how i imagine it came about because i used to do that at the dinner table with knife and fork and you kind of Pretend you're Dougie Lampkin or something, or like, Martin, like yeah. a little kid playing with a car, but yeah, like yeah. You're... But I, but I was one. I always wondered if other writers do that. Well, I, I don't, but you don't I do guess... like a, flat, a routine on the iPad, like no, no, because I ride a flat floor most of the time. So that's I what I mean. Like, but that's a nice flat floor. <laughs> that's I would, a nice I would, flat floor. I would look at myself kind of doing like like I've G turned over that or. It's weird. So you've been reading, you've been reading the whole room since yeah, we, like this, you do, we did especially the when there's angles. Like I don't know. <laughs> This is absolutely weird. incredible. Yeah. It's not weird. It's incredible. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> I've actually always asked, I've always meant to ask other people that. <laughs> that was the perfect Cause I, yeah, I always do it in interviews because I always find like, oh yeah, fuck, I've just been like daydreaming. Looking even at the ledges out there and like the... Oh God, so you've been looking at the ledge that whole time. You are not even listening to me. There's like a slant and then there's a slant and you're like, oh yeah, I was not even listening to me was just no. looking at the ledge. <laughs> God damn it. But I don't know, I'd like, 
con- that's all I, I, I think it. of it. I, I absolutely that's love funny. it. I love it. Yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, to random. Cheers to your brain, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> Who is your, your favorite BMX rider? Quick one. Favorite street rider. Whoa. Without thinking I would say, too much. I mean, it's got to be probably Dennis Henderson. He just goes massive. Like all the demolition parts. I uh, don't know which one... His most recent one was really good, but the Caps one, locked. the, is it Caps? I can't remember. The one where he does like a manual tail whip off the end, at the end, it's oh, like, yeah, um, uh, yeah, it's just the music, the music yeah. and the energy and everything like that is yeah. Look it up, Denis Sinasson yeah. on YouTube. He's the, he's the, he's the, sorry, he's the fucking man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he's incredible. Yeah. And then if I was, sorry, not to, and then if I was saying like one of the most inspiring sections that I've ever had in BMX, maybe you're going to ask me that, but uh, I would say Ruben section and Grounded was a massive one for me that was like back in like 2008 i remember watching that for the first time the whole grounded i was like whoa this is insane but then his section at the end with the the music the whole ride yeah the ride just the riding all that kind of different stuff it was so inspiring yeah i remember that that really was like i need to try to man yeah we came across you know, that spot the bridge spot where oh, yeah. it does the 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 whole ride at the end and in real life it's it's uh it's unbelievable. insane it's yeah, unbelievable yeah. so You've done insane amount of uh, really successful uh, street trial video mm-hmm. project, and uh, suddenly I open my uh, my computer and I see Danny McCaskin on a mountain bike on the top of a mountain. Yeah, it's funny. What what's up with that? What was the what was it the was... idea? Are we any tired of street trials? Or? No, it was the film we're talking about is the ridge, uh, the which ridge. is filmed on the in the the Black Coolin uh, on the Isle of Skye, where I'm from. Incredible, um, incredible, piece. really yeah. amazing place. I mean, when I was younger, I actually never really went onto the tops because it's quite a severe landscape. You need to know what you're doing. You quite often need a guide or ropes and things to kind of get around. But myself and my friend Stu, who had made a or had made the film the year before called the Imaginate, we decided that um, it'd be quite cool to make a little mountain bike film on you know up on the ridge. And it was quite, yeah, it was really simple. We actually only filmed for six, seven days in that whole film. Whereas, like, if you're filming street, you can easily waste, like, four days. I could easily waste four days trying to get one trick or something like that, you know. Whereas with the mountain biking, you know, the first uh, almost two minutes of the video is me rowing, you know. It's, like, crazy. And then then I clamber around. I don't even do any right. I'm, like, walking up the hill with my bike and then do a few, you know, a few sort of little technical bits here and there. But we got an amazing, you know, we just got amazing weather. And it was just a really enjoyable time. But yeah, we made that we had this sort of uh, video finished. I remember sort of looking back at it and thinking, oh, I need to I need to do way more technical riding for this. Because, you know, I'm used to the trials bike where you want to sort of go big and do big gaps and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. But we kind of realized that the GoPro footage of me going along these little ledges and, you know, with big 400 foot drops on the side was probably what people were going to trip about yeah the, the, yeah i remember kind of being unsure about it you know because it was so slow i mean i'd i'd found the track by martin bennett you know it was the right music and stuff but it was a really big surprise almost as much a surprise as when inspired, inspired went viral that this video also went viral it got a, a, a crazy uh, response yeah. online yeah i think it's because that was the bike you were using too because mm. i get the same uh thing sometimes that people think 
the trick I'm able to do on my BMX is because of my bike is yes. so special, you know, and you have a street trial bike and people are like, Danny is so good on the bike because his bike is like weird, is all special. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you do the same thing with a mountain bike. Yeah. And that's like kind of a big shout out to, to all the people that yeah, were, was that f- were talking in, in a positive way, you know, Yeah. which is great. And, uh, and you've been, uh, keep on riding mountain bikes since then. You yeah. were riding a mountain bike today, like uh, in. Uh, yeah, it's because I'm going. I'm, I'm using it in Germany. I would have taken my trials bike if I if I knew if I'd thought about it. I'd have definitely had my trials bike here to to ride about street. But it's it's quite good fun playing around. You can kind of do some different stuff. I sometimes go riding street on my mountain bike at home, just as something different. But um, yeah, the relatability of the mountain bike. You know, um, I mean, the mountain bike world such an important one for me. Well, personally, as you know, being part of the scene, but also to kind of get these videos going as well you know you kind of rely on the the mountain bike world to kind of all watch it and hopefully start sharing it to their friends and then it kind of goes out from there but it was such a surprise especially with the ridge that it went uh as big as it did yeah yeah but you not only do like super successful video you are like a swiss army knife Uh you are stunt double for, Sometimes for yeah. a movie, yeah, yeah, you have a successful uh, show mm-hmm. called uh, Drop and Roll. It's insane. You have like your own, uh, you have your own setup that, that you that you go around the well, world. Well, and, yeah, when doing shows, yeah, yeah. I and, mean, to be honest, I mean, I, I, I'd say I kind of keep things fairly chilled. You know, it's like a lot of my friends that are. I mean, I do do shows with Drop and Roll, but um, yeah, I'm kind of try to focus mainly on the writing. And my friend, you know, it's my friend Duncan that's kind of running the the team with that. And then I'm I'm lucky I have management actually that helps me. Tarek and uh, yeah, and that Razzle, yeah, they kind of really help me um, kind of deal with all the sort of businessy side, so I can kind of focus on the writing. Yeah, that was my that was my next question. How do you find time to write and progress with all that uh, busy schedule? It's you've a got? it's a difficult. One. I mean, I I would say at the moment I've not had the balance quite right. We've been so busy with shows this year, which has been really good. But uh, and it's also uh, been because I've been a little bit injured the last couple of years. Uh, with like, I broke my kneecap two years ago, and then I've had I had I had to have an operation a year later after I broke it just to kind of deal with the cartilage. So I've not been a hundred percent the last couple of years. So I've not been pushing hard on the bigger video projects and shows are a little bit easier on the body. But it kind of depends. I wouldn't say I try to progress out with the filming that much. I just go and ride for fun. You know, when I go riding back in Glasgow, it's more like going for a jog, putting the music in. I might have one idea for a spot or something that I might go and try to to learn, but most of the time I'm not like, I don't ever sort of train on my bike. You know, I just ride for fun. Yeah, and yeah. then when it comes to the video projects, I have, just... I kind of try to come up with tricks that will make the whole concept or idea work. So I kind of tend to, you know, keep my progression for on camera kind of thing so. for the for the like a camera really helps you like to to progress yeah, that's that's say so. that's that's the same for me like when i have a friend that films i'm going to commit because i don't want to like take my friend's time you know yeah, off so like for sure. does you have the same thing the, the camera yeah, motivates I mean, you I, it does it can be quite uh, it adds a little bit of pressure frustrating yeah it can be it's often I'm working towards the overall goals. So I mean, the, like I, I mean, I keep going on about it here, but the the sort of concept for the films is almost the biggest thing for me. It's like I have, you know, like whether it's um, like We Day Out, for instance, it was meant to be like a a kind of slapstick kind of little ride around the countryside, and I had all these kind of random ideas, like trying to ride on top of a hay bale, 
down a hill uh, while it's rolling or jumping on a log and sliding, you know, doing it almost like a tire slide down along a log or backwards rolls off drops and things. So it's like you're trying to, each one of those tricks is like a piece of the puzzle that you're trying to put together or gapping from the railway track onto the, or platform onto a railway track. It's like trying to do all that, it's like piecing together like I have it quite well planned you know I tried to do a lot of scouting beforehand you know with them and uh it's like you're kind of thinking of the big picture all the time of yeah. really how you know how you're going to feel and how it's just trying to get it all together in one place you know uh, so um when I film on like video projects like that sometimes there's a lot of pressure for me and mm -hmm. with the frustration I I, I I lose my mind like yeah. I have like Nervous breakdown. Mm -hmm. What was the craziest nervous breakdown? Oh, if you have nervous breakdown, and what was the craziest nervous breakdown you had? Say, one of the funnier ones I had was uh, during Imaginate. There was quite a lot of pressure on that project because I'd, I'd been off my bike for about a year with a back operation. So I really wasn't riding well. You know, I pretty much got on my bike about two weeks before I started filming Imaginate. I was really feeling pretty, not only weak in the body, but quite weak in my mind as well. I wasn't kind of very good at sort of dealing with the fear and you just need time on your bike don't you you just need to sort of feel comfortable so i remember trying to do this one trick which was a flare and uh, we had like these big bits of plywood that were painted up to look like uh playing cards and so there's two of these kind of playing cards against this red block and i was basically going to do a flare kind of bumpy kind of flare on these this little setup um and there'd be like there'd be thousands of riders in the world that'd be easily just be able to go roll up to this. But I kind of flare opposite. And I'm really bad at flaring back into a transition. I'd never really done them at that point. So I remember one day having a, you know, maybe trying like 150 flit, you know, trying it about 150 times and kept on crashing, front wheel off the side. Left it that day, came back the next day. The weird thing was that all the lights were all exactly the same so it wasn't like you kind of come back in feeling sort of fresh and it might be like a bit a nicer day or something was a bit better it was exactly the same so all the emotion kind of almost just came straight back in it, tried it again failed again and then uh we, en we actually ended up uh, trying it again um for the last day of the project and i was just losing my mind it was weird it was like a completely different me because I don't really throw my bike. I, like my bike's too fragile to throw, and it's a bit annoying if you throw your bike and you break a wheel. You're only going to be even more annoyed, or you're going to be bummed out that you don't get a chance to to try it. You know, if you break your bike by throwing it, then you're really going to be really annoyed at the end of that day. So um, you decide to. That's why I always film with friends. They kind of know how to deal with me deal when with I'm. You. you know, they know how to kind of. Because fear does make you do weird things, you know. It's yeah, like yeah. Um, I wish I was kind of like a fearless rider, but it takes me a lot to get myself together to Confidence. do some of the tricks. Yeah, I just it's amazing. It's just like completely irrational. If I had no fear, it would make life so much easier. <laughs> You're yeah. pretty fearless already. Is yeah. there is there a trick during a project that you thought you could do that you didn't do and that you regret? One thing I'd say I'm fairly good at. I'm sure most riders are. Well, you know what you're capable of on a day-to-day -day basis. And you think, well, if you try a new trick enough, then there's a, I'm probably going to be able to land it. And I would say, you know, of all the projects I've done, I've probably landed about like 90, probably like 98% of the tricks that I've kind of called out. So like 2% of the trick you tried and you didn't get them? It's, I mean, sometimes it's to do with uh, 
you know, time limits and, you know, sun going down and stuff. But that's the thing I've been lucky with, especially with Red Bull, where I can kind of go back there day after day. I mean, sometimes we'll spend six days of filming trying to get one trick, you know, six seconds of footage. So that's enough time for somebody to do an entire project or to make a ridge. And I'll do that, you know, trying to film, you know, to slide along a log that's covered in Vaseline or or uh, try to jump in a hay bale that's rolling down a hill or... Well, you, you covered that vlog, that log in Vaseline. Yeah, that's pretty funny. It was, dude. It was weird. It got funny. a bit weird. It <laughs> got, <laughs> yeah, my, my friend, my friend Nash was there up to oh his elbows in Vaseline, living up each time. And if you if you see someone randomly working in a wood and shows up and you are putting Vaseline yeah, on the log, you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like thirty tubs of Vaseline in the mud, you know, looking a bit kind of. Oh my god, but, um, that'd be epic. Ninety-eight percent is a pretty good say, percentage. That's a pretty good percentage, dude. You know, you just keep going. Because the thing is, you get to a point where you've put so much time in that you can't not land it. Yeah. Especially if you've got some good crashes oh, under dude. your belt. You know, you're like, right, this is going to make the film that much better. I really want it personally. I want it for everyone else that's here putting in the time and filming. And you just like... Personally, I feel like the body hurts less the next day if you pull the trick. Oh, yeah. You know? if, the, if you don't pull the trick, the next day your body like feels like you got hit by a truck. If you somehow pulled it, the next day it's kind of like, well, it kind of hurts, but at it least worth I got it. the oh, trick. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, you get to that point, don't you, where um, you've tried it so many times, you've had so many crashes, but you know you've probably not got another day in you to do it mm -hmm. or you'll have to have some kind of recovery because you're going to be bruised or oh, yeah. your wrist is going to be swollen or whatever else. So, yeah, I know. it's a funny one. It's uh, a funny one, but you can. I think you just try it enough and eventually you'll fluke it. That's the way I do it. Are you, are you, you think you're still motivated to, uh, to drop like a, a mind-blowing street trial video one day? For sure. Well, I mean, I don't know how mind-blowing it will be. I'll try my best. Yes. For sure. I mean, I, I, I actually set out to, to do one in end of 2017. I was going to do one, uh, start filming in California, but second day of filming, I broke my kneecap, Whoa. which wasn't ideal. So I'm kind of like, since then, because when you're doing street, you ha you're going to crash so hard. You know, it's so unforgiving. That's what's nice about the mountain bike. You crash in the mud and you're like, oh, this is mint. Mm. You can just crash all day and you're like, fine. Whereas in street, you do it and you're hurting you, you know from day one you've been talking about a lot of injuries that i didn't hear of since the beginning of the podcast yeah. i know a lot of riders in in bmx they kind of hide their injuries mm -hmm. and so like they sit on clips that they yes. can put online mm -hmm. and kind of be like okay i'm injured i have three months worth of clips and then i'm gonna reappear mm -hmm. is this your thing that kind no, of i don't think so it depends um some people kind of i mean some Some riders have the pressure from the sponsors, you know, on that, you know, or if you like I've, a crash here and there, like I know uh, my friend Martin Soderstrom, he had that kind of problem where he ended up sort of breaking his, he broke his leg at Crankworks and then from, from then ended up breaking it again, like another three times and then ended up breaking his arm or something, wrist. He had basically had loads of crashes and then kind of got to the point where he wanted to hide it from everybody. But I don't know, I'm kind of, I'm somewhere in between. You know, I usually tell people I'm injured because, I mean, you, you know, you're going to probably drop off the, you know, the filming or, or drop off the Instagram for a, l a little while or whatever. But um, I don't know. I try to use my injury time constructively. Yeah, that's what I was. It's about the only time I really kind of get back into the gym yeah. to do like uh, rehabilitation kind of stuff because you're really focused on that. It's a good way to kind of get some energy burnt as well. 
and I usually try to use my injury time to to scout to try to think of what you know the next thing's going to be. Tom was uh, telling us that his injury time was the only time he was on holidays. You, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Is true. it the same for you, or you you like to take time oh. off your bike as well? Because I love a holiday. I mean, I, I love going yeah. on holiday. Do, do you take time off your bike? I wouldn't say I class my injuries as holidays, that's for sure. Annoyingly, the last uh, couple of years I've had my winters taken away from me because of injury, you know, whether I broke my kneecap or had a knee operation. And it's like the time usually between December to March or December to February, that's the kind of time that I love to be home, riding my mountain bike in the mud, you know, in the wind and the rain. I love it so much. And that I feel like I really need that this year. Hopefully I'll make it uninjured to that point. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, you never know. But it's um but sometimes if you injure some another part of your body, it also gives you're usually carrying other things as well. It gives other parts of your body time to heal or you can kind of focus on balancing your body back out in the gym and stuff. So yeah, it's just part and parcel, isn't it? It's just like you know. Definitely. At least we're not flipping racing motocross or something. That's not, know. you know, you have one crash and you, you break 10 bones, that's you know, it. or freestyle. I mean, that's obviously that's insane it. as well, but trials is kind of a little bit more slow speed. For me, like there was like these ankle injuries and I, I fell on my head like a couple of years ago. And after that crash on my head, I couldn't really get back to riding street, you know, mm-hmm. because it was always in my head. Yeah. You had quite a lot of massive injuries. Mm-hmm. What's the process of uh, going back on the bike and uh, do gnarly stuff again? I mean, a lot of the injuries I've had, they're just like little broken bones here and there, like I've broken some collarbones and feet and everything else. You know, there has been quite a lot over the years. I don't know. I never really kind of get too sort of bummed out by the injuries. I'm immediately always just thinking, you know, you know you've done it, you know you've broken something. But even on the way to hospital, you're always just thinking about it what you're going to do when you're back on the bike you know i've been lucky because i mean sometimes you get an injury that's a lot more complicated you know it's much longer sort of term but i've had a you know a year off the bike here and there i think the first actually five years of professional riding i was off my bike for three years of injury wait like yeah five years of professional riding yeah, you so were out three years yeah between <laughs> having back operation collarbones meniscuses ankles everything else so i'd never really get bothered by it i would just be like well, I'm gonna. I just can't wait to get back on my bike to kind of progress. And it can be quite difficult when your mind, in my mind, I'm when I'm off the bike. Way back home is a good example of that. I, I, I my skill level in my mind was going up like this. I was like, I'm gonna front flip off the castle. I'm gonna jump off this. I'm gonna flip off that. You know. And I, especially when I was scouting in a sling, I was like, yeah, I can do all this. But then when you come back there. <laughs> you know, and the the way when you're thinking about spots, you're not thinking that you're going to be there when it's raining, when the the wind's blowing, and hardest thing is to kind of deal with fear. It's not necessarily fear of injuring yourself again. Let's say it's just more like that instinctual fear that you have that's really annoying. The biggest thing that you think about is bottling it just as you go off the lip. So if you're doing that, like a a front flip off off the lip. You kind of have the thing that you're going to go, oh no, and that's the worst thing that you could possibly do, and then suddenly you splat to the bottom. So I don't know. You just don't think about it. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I almost, I almost sometimes think I'm like stupid with it, but 
I don't know. It's hard to. I mean, when I think about it, I'm like, it just doesn't even cross my mind. It doesn't <laughs> no, cross my mind that I'm not, and it never has. You know, even when I was working in the bike shop and I'd have to be fixing bike with my arm in a cast or in a sling or you know whatever, it would never cross my mind that I wasn't gonna. It's just what you do, isn't it? Yeah, man. That's what it takes to be one of the best. Yeah. You don't even really think about it. I know, yeah. like. When I do scary stuff and when I'm actually doing it, I, I, I black out in the air, you know, mm -hmm. like kind of, oh, yeah. you, you know, like when you want to jump over a rail or whatever, yeah, and it's yeah. so scary. And then when you actually do it, uh, me, I, I kind of forget in the really? air I'm actually doing it. I'm like, and then, okay. Really? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It doesn't and happen I, to you. <laughs> no, I often get the feeling of relief, to be honest. As soon as I front flip, especially some things like front flip, I'm like, finally, you know, sometimes you, like I've done some, I did this front flip into the... The ocean. ocean, yeah, at the end of a film called Cascadia. How high was that? It was maybe like, I don't know, about 60 feet or like 14, 15 meters maybe. Not like what I would consider really, I was actually really confident, like overly confident for that trick because I'm not scared of water. Like I, I know that you could pretty much belly flop from that high and be fine. You know, you're probably not going to break a bone. You might burst an eardrum, but the reality is as long as I don't hit the rocks, it was going to yeah. be fine, but the the run up actually ended up being way too short for that, and I ended up taking like I remember thinking, you know, when the waves are going past afterwards, you could see the rocks going right out under the water, you know, and I remember thinking, oh, I might actually not clear the rocks, which obviously if you if you front flip sixty feet onto rocks, that's a different story altogether. But uh, I remember the feeling eventually, you know, sun was going down, sun actually went past the horizon because normally the lights a big drive for me, like I know it looks good in film. But I remember when I actually took off on that and it was just such a relief. I was like so relaxed. I was like, in the air, in yeah, the I was like, almost like, I was pretty much like smiling as soon as I left. Because it was just You're so, fried. but there was, there was so much like stress running up to it, you know, like, because I knew that the, there was our la only day we could do it and all this stuff, but it was just so, but then I remember opening up, thinking I was going to hit the sea and I still had another like 20 feet to go and I have face plant in <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but it was and fine completely fine and I'd have done it again straight away that's the thing as soon as you know as soon as you get a feeling for it then you're like oh it's actually not that bad my school well you freak out in the air like oh god and then Danny's school was just like ah oh, finally <laughs> it's just too no, because you build no but it's because you build up the stress so much you know sometimes it's, it's such a relief even if you land in a heap at the bottom it's just especially with the bangers you know you're you can really build up like three hours of run. You know, sometimes if you're tired, if you've been filming for five days in a row, mm. it can be really hard to kind of get your mind in gear to um, push through and commit off the edge. More often than not, it's just a relief. Even if you crash at the bottom, you you know, it's easier to crash, to back. get back up, and mm -hmm. then Lifting. go and do it again. It's of. always hard on the... Yeah. The first try is always hard, people. Yeah. <laughs> What would you say to a, a random little... Uh, up and coming rider uh, that want to make it into trial make it. I think you've got to ride because you love riding you know you don't get good at something by getting forced to do it well you probably do I'm sure but the reason that we kind of are doing what we're doing these days because you you kind of get obsessed and you have a real passion for for doing it so that's obviously the basics but then you've also got to just sort of persevere with things it might not be what all your friends are doing You know what I mean? There might be times where other things come along, but if you're really into it, you may as well just go with it and enjoy it. And maybe it might turn into something that you do for a living. You never know. 
but that's also not the be all end all. You don't, you know, aiming to be a professional, I don't think is the way to go about it. I think you just need to get good because you love it. And then hopefully the right people will take notice. And then that's words of wisdom. I here don't, we go. I don't think in BMX or trial or like a kid that really, really wanted to be a professional rider and was trying really, really hard to be a professional rider only. Yeah. Su success, you know, it has to come with passion. Yeah. I think, I mean, the comp there's a balance there, isn't there? There's, you know, you kind of get the kid that's just straight away trying to email the brands without actually having any of the skills. But then I think if you get to a level where you're like, okay, I'm breaking loads of stuff. I need a bit of help here. But there's so many different ways it can work out for you, you know. Learn some niche, niche tricks, I think, as well. Another thing that I think is really important is to learn, do one thing better than everybody else. You know, I mean, it, you can be one, I could think of a, a few BMXers, same BMX, you've got like Courage Adams, who's obviously amazing at everything, but his nose manual game at the moment is like better than everybody else's. Chris Kyle, for instance, really good at going upside down of certain things you make it your own i think that's the thing if you it's important to learn all the basics but if you make a few things your own then you'll stand out stand out yes that's is, the one so. is, that's yeah. the one stand out boys and like don't be shy to pick up a camera go film with your friends it's yeah. so easy to to do a youtube Especially channel nowadays. my goodness you have this thing that you can film and edit on just on your hand it's like imagine having that back in the day oh we're getting older Woo. We getting do, old. we do. Getting old. <laughs> I, don't wanna, I don't even want to talk about that. I'm sore from writing today, dude. <laughs> but no, yeah, like, be passionate, stand out, and uh, and yeah, just get the word out there that you are passionate. Still, there are like some, uh, some kids pushing, following your steps because mm -hmm. you definitely paved the way for them. And when I'm thinking about drop and roll, when I'm thinking about you, I'm thinking about Fabio mm -hmm. with yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is who is also an incredible uh, street trial back yeah, yeah, yeah. who released uh, an incredible video uh, with Mel Lowe's. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What's your take? What's your what's your uh, what's oh, your Fab take on this? Fabio is he's awesome. I actually did a thing with Red Bull. I'm trying to think what it's called. <laughs> I did a, I basically did come and ride with me type thing in Germany. I can't remember what's called. Under my it wing. Like, Something like that, or it's like that, or Wings. It wasn't Wings Academy because that's something. Oh, Wings else. Academy. So, like, to tell the to to explain to the listeners is basically Red Bull is organizing this Under My Wings project where they ask one of their main athletes to have a kind of a class mm. with a amateur writer. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And they get to spend a few days with their hero. Yes. And it happens that one of the kids that spent time with you yeah, was, was Fabio. Yeah, was yeah. Fabio. Back in 2012. But I remember when I first met him, the first time I'd ever seen him, walked into like a campsite and uh, there was a little two foot high kicker and he comes along and does a backflip and I'm like oh well uh, I'm not going to be able to teach him much you know since then we kind of got him on to drop and roll I think 2014 or something like that and he was already really starting his YouTube channel putting out all sorts of kind of street trial videos but um, he's since gone on to just make some insane stuff and he's he's not only really good at writing he's really good at thinking or using his writing uh, really creatively and smartly there's so many what look like really obvious ideas like kind of getting back on the mountain bike or downhill bike and sending big stair gaps his urban free ride kind of videos 
and then he's still got. I mean, he's really got all he can do. He wins the whip offs at Crankworks, and then Whoa. he can also uh, send it on the street trials bike. So he's kind of really got this amazing foundation of riding. It's almost like too good to be true, um, <laughs> and he's absolutely kicking ass on YouTube as well. So yeah, it's and really it. really cool guy. So what's your feeling when you look at that? It's like not it, it pushes you, or you're like, whoa, he's too far ahead. Uh, it's not necessarily pushing me. I'm just really stoked. You know, it's, um, I mean, there's sometimes a, they're quite a different style. Sometimes, you know, the videos, it's maybe a little bit less focused on, say, music and certain things like that, that I would be really into. But he's just a kind of newer generation. He's the kind of real YouTuber kind of style. And I mean that in the, you know, the sort of best way. Because I don't really feel like a YouTuber, you know, all my videos go on YouTube, but I'm not a YouTuber. Although I, I did start a channel because I thought I may as well. But I don't really feel part of that community that much, you know. It's um, it's kind of hard for me too, like to get onto the YouTube yeah, program. Yeah, it's a I funny one. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Because there's so much crap on there. Yeah. You know, it's unbelievable. There's so much rubbish. But it's also the the place that if you're wanting to search a video these days, It is the, the video search engine on the internet. So, you know, it happens with the place that you put your, so, your edits. But, um, so yeah. Yeah, you, you rather put like an in, one incredible video project a year where, like, instead of 200 vlogs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I mean, because when, when you started your YouTube channel, I was like, is he going to start vlogging or no. stuff like that? No, I would like to do maybe a little bit more. You know, it just kind of worked out that it's easier to do it for my sponsors' channels. I mean, obviously, if you have your own channel, it can be easier to kind of get your, your videos kind of getting bigger views, but that's not really what it's about for me. It's kind of, I don't know. I just really enjoy just putting a lot of energy into a little, not an edit, web edit. Do you call it a web edit? I kind of, I, I think of them as a part. If I was making a part for a DVD, which don't tend, you know, they don't tend to be around so much these days, but that's kind of what I grew up watching, you know, when a writer's got their part And you put everything you can into that to make it the best it can be. Yeah, I'm, um, the, I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. Maybe because we are a, maybe a part of the older generation mm. and we got yeah. inspired by this guy. So now we, we it's, it's kind of weird to like put ourselves out there every day on the on on YouTube yeah. or whatever. So yeah, it's a, there's a balance to it. You know, it's like uh I don't know. You can do it. You could do it credibly as well. You know, there's so many, there's so many opportunities with the internet these days your stuff can go so far and wide and it can be done really credible credibly as well so it's uh you never know and everyone's got an amazing camera in their pocket yeah you know you're, you're still killing it on instagram though you are like 1.2 million follower on yeah. instagram at danny mccaskill if you're yeah. listening to yeah. to that podcast yes. which is pretty incredible how much work do you put for uh, in for your instagram Not much, to be honest. I should really do a lot more. You should try to do kind of daily posts. I go through phases. If I'm at home, then I tend to do more Instagram stuff. I try to keep it mainly video-based, doing little... I'm, I feel really lucky with uh, with trials. It's quite a niche part of biking. People don't see so much of it. So, you know, I find that I can, especially if I go on the mountain bike or on the trials bike, I can quite easily do something that I'm reasonably happy with. And they seem to go down quite well, especially as I say on the mountain bike, you hop up a railing on that and it doesn't really take that much more effort than the trials bike, but people view it as way harder than it is kind of thing. So yeah, long may that continue. You are, you are, <laughs> you are so, you are so smart with like yeah. choosing it. It's, it's incredible. What's the funniest uh, Instagram DM you ever received? 
to be honest, I don't really. You don't, I don't read look. them. No, <laughs> sorry, 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 <laughs> folks. I don't. I don't. <laughs> gonna say i was I gonna that was gonna be my last question like do you do you care about what people think of you but no i've <laughs> no nah, i just don't really well i don't really i mean i still try to think of that person in the bike shop that's always there's still that quality control that i like to to have in the back of my mind if i was you know still working fixing bikes and i was watching somebody else doing what i'm doing would i think the stuff that they're doing is credible you know and i try to always think about that even with instagram Sometimes you kind of maybe get lured into, I will post some stuff and I'm like, oh, that's not really, but it's only Instagram. Yeah. You know, it's just, I don't Everybody's know. Everybody's know, it's not, Well, yeah, kind of. It's not, yeah. I mean, if it was going on to like, if it was going to be part of a, a kind of more timeless thing, like a, you know, like a part or something that goes on YouTube or something like that, then, you know, I, my quality controls way higher, yeah. you know, so but it's an amazing, I mean, you know, it gives us amazing opportunities as athletes to kind of promote ourselves. Yeah, pretty much. To be your to own show brand. off, just to be, look how good we are. Here we go. Here you we know, go. Look at, Ooh, like, nah, look at me, look at me. It is funny, isn't it? It's a funny, <laughs> it's a funny world. It's a funny world. But I'm not good at it. You know, like I sometimes drop off Instagram for a few weeks at a time. If I'm not writing for myself that much, then I tend to kind of drop off for a wee bit. And then sometimes you kind of post a little bit more. So Yeah, yeah. but you're, you're still so good at navigating navigating yeah. like through it you can tell that you are not trying hard but like still yeah. it's still really good for you if today like i show up with an unlimited budget for a video project mm -hmm. what would be like your ultimate dream like anything just go to the moon or whatever just think I about mean, the, the, well, the moon's thing. an obvious one isn't it I mean, who, <laughs> who wouldn't want to ride in the moon Every, that would be really cool um i mean the thing is the thing that we're really lucky with It's not like Rebel will be putting in unlimited budgets. But, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, but it's not I mean it's not like you kinda it's if you have the right idea, then they'll you know, they can sort of make it happen. But it's not like you sort of walk around thinking, right, you know, gonna need to spend loads of money. If anything, I try to think about ideas where I can you know, like a lot of the videos I end up doing in Scotland, just because all the riding's on my doorstep, I can scout it easily. All my friends live there who film there, so We spend less money on hotels, flights, and we can return to spots as well. You know, if you fly halfway around the world to make a film and you don't get that clip that you really wanted, then you're probably not going to get the chance to go back there. So, like, for, like to give you an idea, like for me, if I have an unlimited uh, budget, I would try to do that project on helipads, you know, just try to find 10 incredible helipads and it. just put them in one uh, put them in one you video you should be giving that idea away you should just be going and doing it I know but like, it, doesn't even need, it doesn't need an unlimited budget that's help <laughs> what's your... to, I've, I've, I've already scouted half of them for you so. what's your what's your dream project that's all I'm thinking about all the time anyway for the last 10 years that's all I dream about so you see you, you, you see did, them you see them you that's did, the, the you last did, you did uh, everybody's dream project you went to ride in the playboy house oh fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk a that, bit about that? Well, I mean, that was that was like a Rebel US thing. They kind of, um, <laughs> I was supposed to go there for a photo shoot and then, uh, well, I was basically, they told me to get my bike ready to go somewhere for a photo shoot but to end up in a Playboy Mansion. So it was, uh, I was I was a little bit worried, to be honest. The guy working the bike shop in me was a little bit worried about it because I thought it was going to end up being... Um, a pimp? Well, no, I thought it was going to be like cheesy kind of thing, you know, uh, which it was. Yeah. You know, like luckily there was some kind of writing in the grounds and stuff, but... 
I, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was oh, no. great. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I got to actually film with Robin Fallon. Is it Robin yeah, Fallon? Yeah. yeah. Was it awkward? Uh, yeah, it was super awkward. And I'm like, I'm awkward around that kind of stuff anyway. I was like, this is, this is weird, but oh, yeah. it's fine. I was surprised that I was surprised that it ended up being like a, a wee video online. I got some shit from uh, the mountain bike world for that, but it was fine. I was going to say, what your your childhood friends back home think about Danny McAskill? They are well the same as same as ever. That's why I love going home to Sky. It's pretty much just the same. I kind of fit in the the same place I did in school. Like I was always kind of in the middle of all my friends and different groups. And I, I think if I tried to go home trying to be Billy Big Balls, you know, thinking that I was thinking, as we say in Scotland, if I thought it was Archie, you know, kind of with my sunglasses on, my uh, Red Bull medallion. Or monocle, as you say, you know. <laughs> That's Your a monocle. monocle. Danny, Danny, <laughs> Danny had a, a, a eye surgery uh, last year, and yeah. uh, he can't really see from yeah. one eye. No, not really. No, <laughs> but I only need one anyway. So, but yeah, my my friends uh, back home wouldn't, you know, they would uh, definitely knock me down a peg or two. So it's nice just to go home. And uh, to be honest, most of the time in my life, it's like that. You know, it's just th- a lot of things have changed since two thousand nine, but. A lot of things haven't. I still live in a flat with seven friends in Glasgow, and uh, you still live in a flat with seven yeah, friends yeah, in Glasgow. Still, yeah, there's like two flats together that we rent, and uh, yeah, it's kind of pretty chilled. Incredible. Yeah, that's, it's good. That's awesome. What would you uh, tell to little Danny pre 2009 if you were to see him like right now, wow. like before you press the send button on YouTube? What would I would you say? say, do not do five 360s in a row off a bridge in Glasgow for an advert I did in 2009 because I tore a disc in my back and uh, it's been like the single sort of biggest pain in the ass injury ever you know like everybody talks about having a sore back when you're younger and you hear somebody older saying that they've got a sore back you think oh yeah whatever you know it's fine but when you do actually have back pain it's a it's pretty debilitating especially when it comes to riding because that's where all your power comes from your core and all that kind of stuff so I would rather not have a a sore back these days. But is that the, is that the only thing you regret? Pretty much. I don't even regret that because I mean, if I didn't, if I hadn't done that, then I don't know what I'd be. You know, things might have turned out different. You know, so I don't really have any. You know, what would I say? Well, if we, if you don't have any that's great. Huh? No, like, I don't really good have for any. you. I don't, I don't have any regrets. Good for no, you. Awesome. Yeah, we we ate quite a lot of uh, sugary stuff and oh, pastries yeah. today. You can uh, you can watch the the vlog uh, that we released at the same time of the the podcast. Uh, it was incredible to get to spend uh, a couple of days with you. We always see each other at the party and yeah. and small talk for five minutes. And after spending two days with you, I can say that you are even more incredible than I thought you would be. And uh, no, you are an incredible human being and thank you for for that. It's been an incredible pleasure to interview you today. And uh, see you soon. Hey guys, before you leave, thank you so much for listening to the Decoding Athlete podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Danny McCaskill. My three personal takes away from Danny are to just do one thing better than anybody else that everything in front of your eyes is a playground and that as soon as you get broke off, the first thing you gotta think about is to get back on that bike. While we were in London, we recorded a vlog that's now available on my YouTube channel. We put the link in the show notes. Tune in next time when I meet with Cody James.
Scotty is an Australian snowboard superpipe legend. He's won every single contest he's entered in 2020. In this episode, we talked about his background growing up in Australia, his secrets to get in the right mindset before an event, and also not to care about what people think. You're already excited? Let's tune in for a minute. That feeling of winning never gets old, and I absolutely love it, and I crave it all the time, so it's great. Sometimes with the traveling and the success and the, you know, can start to become a little bit of a blur and you lose perspective of what actually matters. I hope I could say this, but I didn't give a what people thought. I just went out, I loved snowboarding, I did what I wanted to do, and that was my way of me being me. The next episode with Scotty will drop next week. You don't want to miss that out, so make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every other podcast app. It was my pleasure to have you on Decoding Athlete today. See you guys next week. Bye. Decoding Athletes with Matthias Dondois is a production of Maniac Studios for Red Bull Media House. <laughs>